I'm Christy Scarro, and in this expert interview series, I'm talking to experts who help leaders to have influence, to gain commitment from their team, and have an impact. And today, I'm talking with Anne Vandergeesen. Did I say that right, Anne? You did, yes. <laughs> right. She is a holistic life coach, and she works with smart and driven high performers, high potentials, impactful leaders, and she helps them to master their inner world so they can truly master their outer game. And she, she, she works with her clients to dive deep into where they are, where they want to go, and then remove obstacles to get between these points. So really interesting work that you do, Anne. And uh, so welcome very much to the, uh, to, the, to the series. Yeah, thank you so much. It's interesting hearing that, that bio read back. I don't, don't get that so often, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that really is a, a nice summary of the, the work that I do. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting to me is if the work that you do, so you've done in the past, maybe in your in your corporate experience, is, is definitely a little bit different than where you're focusing now. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I started off my career in one of the uh, big accounting firms, uh, initially in tax, actually spent a little bit of time before moving into the consulting um, uh, doing financial due diligence. So really working in the, the big end of town, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, yeah, quite some uh, billions of euros, dollars worth of um, deals that I've done across the years, uh, both in Australia and then moving across to Europe with the job as well. Um, really interesting job, really interesting work, um, very fast paced, challenging, uh, you know, really um, team focused work. Uh, but one of the things that was always constantly challenging me was the, the stress management piece and, and trying to sort of cope with what I was experiencing internally and still sort of show up um, confidently, you know, speaking to all of these C-suite people that we had direct access to, you know, as a, um, as a young woman in my early 20s, it was sometimes quite confronting. And um, so there was a lot of things that I had to balance that I, I didn't really feel comfortable always talking about. Um, and the, the personal development space has always been something that's really interesting to me. So I started sort of dabbling in that um, and then eventually came across a really interesting hypnotherapy course of all things, uh, which I did, uh, which was really my springboard to leaping out of that as a career and then more into the, the coaching, the therapeutic type work. Um, and, and I did a lot of that really um, just whoever needed help, whoever would come to me. But then I, I really found that my my niche was actually integrating both of those worlds. So using these all of these uh, personal development tools to actually help people who are facing similar things as what I was early in the career. So, you know, lot, lots of performance based stuff, a lot of a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, but not really having those tools to to make sure that the inner world comes along and, and develops at that same pace. So, so that's what I'm really working at now is how to sort of be a little bit of a translator because some of this personal development stuff is what people might call woo-woo or it's a bit out there. It's, um, you know, you, you hear some of these things and you go, oh gosh, that's, that's strange. I would never do that. But some of the stuff is, is really, really powerful, really, really helpful. So, you know, as to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, I'm trying to sort of bring in a lot of these, these really powerful techniques to, to help people just really um, become fuller expressions in, of themselves and in the context of how they work and how they show up professionally as well. Yeah, I think that's a, a great um, position to play because I, I, I think I've felt that I've gone through that in my lifetime where, um, you know, I was in, in, a, in a male, more male dominated function in sales. And I think I did think that stuff was a bit woo woo, soft skill, fluffy. 
Um, but I've learned the importance of it. And I think that translator role, because you can relate on both sides, you can relate to the individual who might not quite get what it, what it can do for them, um, but maybe recognizes the need to understand it a bit better. So I think that's great that you're offering that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And it's a, a great point that you mentioned on the, the male dominated side of things as well, because M&A is, is very much male dominated. And mm -hmm. my, in my um, experience, both in Australia and, and here in the Netherlands, where I am currently, you know, it's probably around sort of around the 80% um, male mark. So you're, oh, wow. you're always in a minority as a, as a female. And I felt that even more coming here because I, I wasn't Dutch and, and I was a female. So I was a, a double minority. And you can, you can have this sort of energy of, of needing to prove yourself and not showing any weakness. And I can't ask questions. I can't ask for help. I can't, can't get that support I need because I've just got to be tough and, and find my way through. So it's, um, it's not the kind of energy that would allow you that, that open-mindedness that you, you need to be able to explore some of these, these other um, less conventional type tools. So if you're, so if, what would be your advice to a woman who's feeling that now? They're, they do, obviously they're the minority in whatever field they're in and they're, they're feeling that maybe they can't express themselves. How do you help draw that out of them? Yeah, well, really great question. And, and what I would say, first of all, is that the guys are feeling it too. And, and I think that that really helps just to, to open the perspective. And, and that's something I, I've learned even more as, as a coach. Okay, wow, you know, there's, there are men having a similar experience. They just don't have the perception of that, um, that minority, the reality facing them. So I, I, really, I really suggest to really be open about what's challenging you and, and try and get that support that, that you're looking for, because that it really is there if you ask. And, um, you know, a lot of us have these coping strategies of, you know, just smiling and, and showing up, you know, being the nice one or the helpful one and, you know, whatever kind of um, facade helps us to, to get by. And so sometimes our, our managers, our leaders, uh, you know, people in the company look at, look at you and go, oh, okay, well, she's smiling, so she must be fine. <laughs> and you know, people make these kind of assumptions. So really just being, being honest about your experience um, sometimes getting a, a mentor outside of the companies as well. There's, there's so many wonderful, particularly women's networks out there uh, where there might be a, you know, mentoring opportunities with more professional, uh, more experienced professional women. And, and just having somebody to talk to, to share your experiences already, you know, already takes a big load off and, and takes away that feeling that, you know, you're, you're in it alone. So, so really just holding that openness and, and, and being honest. I, I like that idea of sort of reaching outside because I know there's situations where you feel like maybe your manager doesn't understand or you can't you can't be as open about how you're feeling and or, that, or they maybe they are dismissive of it. So the fact that you're suggesting you know reach out to other supports to other women, find individuals that can can talk can help you through that and feel a little less isolated. I think that's a, that's a really great suggestion. Mm, yeah, absolutely. If you if you don't ask, then you don't get. We have this uh, saying in Dutch, which is you've already got a no. So you may as well ask and, and see if you can get the yes. So, hmm, that's good advice. If I could tra get that translated, that's uh, <laughs> that, that's a very, very smart folk. Um, so you, you also sort of do work with helping leaders to empower their teams. Um, tell me some of the things that you 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 know, encourage them to do or think about that maybe isn't, isn't obvious. 
Yeah, well, well, one point that you don't see a lot in a lot of these, um, yeah, the more on the soft skills development programs inside of companies is topics like how to create a sense of safety in your team. And th this for me is really, really pivotal. It's something that I always make sure I do in, in the context of coaching as well. You know, it's really, it's really foundational for getting people to open up and, and to communicate about their reality. So, you know, safety in the sense of, okay, if somebody shares their mistake, uh, is that going to be okay? Or is, there, or is there a more incentive to actually try and hide mistakes and, you know, find a way to cover it up so that nobody finds out? So really, really just creating that openness through allowing everything to be okay. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't care. It's like, okay, yeah, go and do what you want. But, but really just calling people forward to, to own their mistakes and to role model that as leaders as well, to, to really get honest with themselves or where, where am I not doing things how I would like to and how can I take responsibility for that so that I can show my team that, that that's okay. And, and I think that's really important as well, that, that role modeling aspect. Um, but the safety piece is something uh, really interesting because you can get into a little bit of the human physiology as well and understanding the way that our body processes stress and, and safety, uh, it's, it, it really speaks to the physiology that we experience. It means that we're not going to have so many of those stress hormones, which means that we can be in more a state of learning, of, of openness, of receptiveness for other people's ideas, uh, of creativity. And uh, so it's, it's really a, an environmental kind of thing. It's, you can use the metaphor of, um, say, like biodynamic farming. So it's how you, how you deal with the soil and how you make sure that there's the right nutrients in the soil and the, um, the wildlife that you have around and how you do your pest control. You know, these, these kind of aspects of, of biodynamic farming can really be applied to the, uh, the professional arena as well it's really setting up that environment so that the, the people within that can then thrive yeah well and I think I, what I'm seeing from leaders is is more of a recognition of stress I mean certainly the pandemic has escalated the potential for burnout because we're working more often I think at home so how as a as a leader how do I maybe recognize when my my employees are, are under stress what are some things I can do yeah, well, that, that's a great question because it ties in a little bit to what I said before as well. Some people, even when they're not coping very well, they'll still have a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. And I, I was one of those. Uh, you know, my, my poor bosses, uh, when when I left uh, one of my uh, jobs a few years ago, you know, what, what, what's going on here? Because um, I, I got into a point where it was too much, but I, I showed up to work with a smile on my face every day. So the, the first thing is don't just take what you see. Uh, really get closer to your your employees, your team, and and ask some good quality questions. Um, I had one uh, sad situation with a client recently who is off work on burnout, and she was actually approached by another team member who also wanted to go on burnout leave, but wasn't quite sure how to approach it, and and so went to somebody who was already going through that process. And that to me says that there's some some serious issues with how things are communicated within the company that somebody would go and sort of put that that burden on on somebody who's dealing with their own situation and so really just making sure that processes are clear people know where to go for help and and having these these check-ins I mean the the performance review conversations are something that that are structural within every company that I've seen 
And, and I really think that the uh, well-being review should sit alongside of that. So really saying to people, how, how are things going? How are you experiencing your work? And just opening up that dialogue there, I think it's really the most powerful thing that you can do. I, I like that question. How are you experiencing your work? And, I, and that idea of, so I think performance management in itself has a bit of negative connotation. It's about course correcting. Uh, it may be about succession, but I think those wellness conversations are maybe not as structured and I, and maybe, you know, it, it can have a balance. I think you don't necessarily adding some structure to wellness conversations and just, in it, I think, empowering leaders to, to, to know how to ask the ongoing questions and to have that recognition of if someone's smiling and happy, they're, they're not necessarily uh, okay. So to probe further and to make sure that they're giving them opportunities if they don't feel comfortable to share with them, as you said, to know where they can go um, for support is, I think, really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it doesn't need to be something that's necessarily super formal, but just really cultivating that openness in the first place. There was some uh, really interesting research done by, by uh, McKinsey recently around uh, who, who do you get support from within the teams? And it was significantly skewed towards women. So people ask women for help more than they ask men for help mm -hmm. so for the, the male leaders out there they might like to ask the question well why, why is that what, what is the difference it, is it that emotional receptivity uh, that that women tend to have more sort of innately and when I look at these kind of things I don't say well the solution is just getting more women but how how can we actually help our men to to cultivate those same kind of qualities so that mm -hmm. they also get that feedback and, and know how to make powerful decisions as, as leaders to keep their team going well. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. And I, and I do wonder if it's something to do with the traditional you know, male leader who may have wanted to keep personal and other things kind of at a, at a distance. And there's a fear of opening up an emotional, maybe you know, it's, it's none of my business or I'm not sure how to deal with it or they may not want to talk to me about it. Uh, as opposed to a full avoidance there they're just not sure what to say and that's probably not just true for men that's probably true for a number of managers but uh, that's really interesting to I think that's great that you would challenge the men in those situations to think about maybe how they can if you know are they are they coming across as supportive um, to the, those that they are leading do, do their teams really feel like they can come to them if they're not in a good space or not and I think all leaders need to think about that yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that jumps out for me on that as well, as, as you're speaking, is uh, this idea of somebody crying in front of you. And, and I've heard a lot of men say in the past that uh, either worried about that happening or recalling a situation where that happened and they felt so afraid, you know, have, have this employee crying in front of me. And, you know, I, I don't know what to do. That's, that's scary. Do I, as you said, do I go into their business? Do I sit here and do nothing? So, you know, even even really having conversations with, with leaders about how to equip them for these kind of situations. You know, what, what do you do if you've got somebody in front of you having an emotional experience? So yeah. I, I think all of these things can, can be really uh, empowering, not just as leaders, but also just as, as humans, you know, how to hold that, that space. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. I do remember myself uh, when I was pregnant and overly emotional at moments and I would feel like I was going to cry in a meeting I'm like I cannot cry cannot cry cannot cry mm -hmm. and you just sort of you know get into that space that that's not going to be professional that's and that was many years ago but uh, I think there's uh, more more acceptance around that but I think there's still a need for people to understand how do I respond 
Uh, do you have any any tips if that, you know, for people who are feeling like, I don't know what to do if someone starts crying or gets really emotional in front of me, what would you recommend for them to do? Yeah, well, I, I would say, first of all, just really normalize it. And, you know, that's something I, I say to my clients, and it might be, not be this extreme, but I, I would say, you know, your, your tears are really welcome with me. This is this is a safe place to to feel whatever you're feeling. Uh, you know, it's it's allowed. And not not to make the person you know feel feel judged and and like uh, like it's wrong what they're doing because that that judgment's already happening inside right as as you said you're already going oh gosh you know what are people gonna what are the people gonna think of me and you know this is weak or whatever might come to mind but we tend to be our worst inner critics but just to say something to to indicate that that it's okay so it doesn't yeah. need to be complicated but just just. Yeah, really, um, really normalizing it. And it makes, it makes a ton of sense and, and maybe not necessarily feeling like they have to solve it, but by just recognizing it's okay to be like this and I'm, I'm here for you um, as opposed to going, oh, oh crap, what do I do with this and how do I fix this and how do I make them happier, which which might be a temptation. Yeah, and that's that's such an important point that you make. This this fixing energy is is not needed in that situation. It's a it's a very tempting thing to go into. What what can I do? But really, the the question more is how can I be, and and holding that space because what you find when you allow emotions to to circulate and move through, it goes through really quickly. So probably if somebody's just feeling like they're allowed to cry, it's gonna finish more quickly than if they feel like they're not. It's gonna be, you know, they're gonna be holding onto it and pushing it down, and the the, the process might go a little longer. So yeah. if you can just really go, okay, you know, this this is this is okay. Or it, this, this experience is welcome here you know like you said I'm I'm here for you it's uh, it's really a, the most powerful thing you can do I believe no that's I, I love that that the way you said that the how to how to be you said as opposed to how to, what to fix which I think is a really important consideration for managers who are used to sometimes being the fixers and the go-to um, I think it's a really good mindset to consider um, so one thing I do want to say is uh, something you've offered, I know you offer to uh, to those uh, who come to your website, and I want to be able to share with the audience is stress tips. So just tell me a little bit about what I'll, I'll include the link at the bottom of the description. But uh, tell me a little bit about what they'll get if they uh, if they go there. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for mentioning that. So the the way that I work, it's it's very. Uh, I, I try to mix the human experience with the science. So I've compiled six of my favorite stress tips that really use not just the the mind but the body as well to help shift things. Because uh, that, that's one of the things we often ignore. We we try and solve problems at the the real mental level, what I call very neck up kind of thinking. Uh, but actually, the best ways to to process stress and move it through the body are. are using the body so things like uh, breath uh, understanding a little bit more your nervous system uh, creating connections understanding how you connect with others so I've got a, um, a good description on, on all of the tips that I've got there as well for all of the people who are a little bit science-minded and, and want to understand well what, why are you suggesting this so um, yeah I've got six of my, my favorite stress busting tips included in that that short guide I love the balance of head, hand, and heart. So when you're talking about the science and the, and the and that balance, I think that's uh, that will touch on that will support a lot of people's perspective there. So, uh, is there anything as we kind of wrap up? Is there anything I didn't ask you um, that I should have, or that you think is maybe important to share before we wrap up? 
Yeah, well, um, just really focusing on, on the sort of the intention of this chat is how to empower leaders. And so I think if I could give, you know, just one piece of advice for what they can do is to really do their own work, their own personal work, understand their own triggers, their own value sets and what drives them. And, and I think that just creates such a beautiful foundation to be able to connect with people and, and have, you know, a true sense of compassion because uh, the meaning of the word compassion, a lot of people don't know this, it actually means to suffer with. So to, to sort of be with somebody in their experience. And, and I really like that for, for leaders, that idea of cultivating more compassion so that you can be together with your team, with your company and, and move through, through things as one. That's, that's beautiful. I hadn't thought of that descriptor. And it, uh, it really does resonate well with the things that we're struggling with now. And if you recognize your team struggles, I think that will make you a better leader and it allows you to empower them to come alongside you. Um, you know, I think I'm very passionate about accountability and ownership. And I think it starts from a place of, of empathy and compassion. If you don't recognize the people who are along with the journey with you, you're not going to get very far. So um, mm, absolutely. I kind of agree more. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anna. It was, it's been great chatting with you. As I said, I'll share uh, the links to this, um, to your website and the stress tips with the audience. And I really uh, thank you for being a part of the conversation today and sharing with the audience. Oh, thank you, Christy. Much appreciated.